episode 30 65 and we're live with episode 65 and that rhymes where's my partner what the mother jesus he said he was coming in maybe we're going to start this episode with me calling mark and berating him that would be horrible that would be a totally against what today's episode's about but i'm going to call him right now Let's see what's going on maybe he's having trouble logging in Maybe I should. Are you having trouble logging in? <clears throat> All right. Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> With you and however long that takes. All right. So uh, we'll see you when you get in here. Okay. We're up and running. Oh, and look, someone's watching me. <laughs> and they left. They were bored. <laughs> Is this how we're going to start? All right, so I'll see you when you get in. I don't understand why you can't hold the show. I could. But did you? No, because you said, I'm on my way. I'm coming in. I realized, like, I was literally was like, oh, it's 25 after. I better get in there. And then my machine said, no, you're not. Yeah, well, Mark, you know, I can't babysit you. If you want to leave things to the last minute, it's up to you. Thank you for your support. And so, encouragement. Yeah, really appreciate your subtle do you, do you feel like you're, I'm boosting your confidence? I don't give a fuck. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for the stupid Mac to like come back to life here. The stupid Mac. Look, now it's on the internet. Wow. This might be a very short episode. I hope that's encouraging. <laughs> we're, two, we're two days into um, Mercury. Uh, if you bring up Mercury retrograde, I am going to act like a chimpanzee in a zoo. And throw feces at your head. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> um, let's Fucking see. Mercury yeah, It appears that I am. Oh, there we go. It's finally making a socket connection. All right. And uh, this is just more proof that Apple sucks ass, and I find that encouraging. Yeah, I like how you you um, want to make it about Apple. I don't want to. It is. Yeah, no. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you never have to restart your machine, I guess. No, I never do. It just works over and over and over again. Yep. Like clockwork. You don't turn it off. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's all the windows with all of my all of my YouTube videos on all my 
things open up and want to play. <laughs> it's beautiful, baby. Yeah. Are you? This is so fun. Yeah. I hope everyone can hear me. Well, I hope they can too. This is very encouraging for our 65th episode. Well, the last time we did this, I was really angry and upset. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just. You're like, whatever. This is how this one starts. Oh, there you are. Right. um... What was now? I just figure out where all these videos are that are playing in the background. And turn them off. (laughs) So Apple was like, oh, here's where you left off. You had 20 videos playing, and we're going to start them all for you right now. Apple computer success. Apple computer success. And if you like Asset, then you like There's Asset. so many. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, my God. Perhaps part of what's going on in your world is a little too much open all at the same time. All right, where are they? A little ADD. You know, you can do command tab and tab through all your. I can't hear you. You should call me if you want me to actually be able to understand you. You can't hear me? Oh, because you have so much bullshit going on. Command tab. Command tab. Okay. Now what? That tabs through all your open programs. Oh, well, I'm already doing that. Well, just quit. Like, quit Safari. Safari, I'm by the way, does Safari. actually suck ass. I'm not like using Safari. Safari. I'm using Chrome. And there's like a million. They're all Safari, right? No, they're not happening in Safari. Well, quit Chrome. Oh, and then you're getting your, there. Your connection to this. Well, everyone, this has been brought to you by Apple Computers and Safari. Awesome. If you like having your bottom sucked, buy an Apple. Because <laughs> Apple sucks ass. Oh, uh, this is going to be triggering. Here, I'll read to you. Why encouragement? You've probably tried the usual things. Apple computers, Safari, Chrome browsers. So that didn't make any sense. Oh, well, today is uh, National Encouragement Day. You want to hear something pretty cool? Um, National Encouragement Day was started by Mayor Belinda LaForce of Searcy, Arkansas. And then the governor of Arkansas signed it into uh, being the State Day of Encouragement in 2007. And then President George W. Bush made it a national holiday. Well, I don't know if holiday is the right word. He said, today's National Day of Encouragement. Hey, I managed to fix all that noise. Wow, great. We're seven minutes minutes into the show, and you've been so encouraging. Well, I'm here for you, brother. (laughs) 
<laughs> I I can tell. Art's the one crying with his pistol in his hand, just going, "Oh, why did I agree to produce these fuckers?" What, what a crybaby! I know he's a little bitch. Yeah, not with all the encouragement and love I can muster. Yeah. So. Um, I should never have told you I was ready to go. I thought it was as simple as clicking through. But, of course, I'm one of these people that has a million browser tabs open, and I was trying to download an audio file that I've been mixing. Like, apparently, I just overran my processor's capacity to handle it all, and it went... (laughs) Apple choked like a stuck pig. Yeah, my Apple choked. It, It totally choked. Yep. And Art was just screaming at me, start, start. I'm so glad to know how angry he gets. He's an angry man. Yeah. I've an angry that. young boy, actually. Yeah. He's an yeah. angry, you know, I don't know. Maybe hiring a six year old to produce our show wasn't the brightest idea we ever had. I think it's our six year old childhood wound that's the problem. That's it. Just holding a smoking gun, crying in his hand. Oh, what has life come to? Not feeling very encouraged whatsoever. Hey, I've got a new Moped Outlaw swag shirt I'm going to work on. Fabulous. It's called, it says MAGA, make America gay again. Hmm. Yeah. Meh. I love it. And I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah. So you were talking about it being national encouragement today. And I had like a zillion YouTube videos trying to play all at once. And I, I kind of missed that. You want to explain it to me? All right. So the day was started in Arkansas, of all places, by Mayor Belinda LaForce. And she started it in uh, August of 2007. And then in um, September, the governor of Arkansas said, hey, today is a state day of encouragement for Arkansas. And then George W. Bush picked it up and he made it official that on September 12th is a national day of encouragement. And um, was that before or after the September 11th attacks? Well, that's a good question. Um, it was before cause it was 2008. Oh wait, when were the attacks? Well, there was George Bush senior and George Bush junior or punky and monkey as I like to call them. Must've been after because, um, I was at the radio stations when that happened. So yeah, maybe that was part of it. You know, it's like September 11th, the day after let's, Let's have a day of encouragement. Well, it wasn't 2001, because on September 12, 2001, he declared the war on terror. It wasn't day of encouragement then. Yeah. Well, maybe it was. Like, you know, I encourage all you people dreaming big. Like, hey, I think we could take out the the tallest buildings in the world and one of the strongest military countries of the planet. And your friends are sitting around going, oh, really? Yeah, that's a great idea. You're like, just watch. And then six years later, boom, whoops, there goes another rubber tree. (laughs) Yeah. So it was funny because I started to research our uh, after I got our assignment from um, Art 
I started to research this and I'm like, yeah, why aren't we talking about 9-11? And that's probably because everybody in their ding dang diddly has been talking about it. Yeah. No one wants to talk about the truth, especially in the mass media. They want well, to talk about how everything we said on the first months or two is exactly what's true. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What happened to your head there? I got some dirt on it. That reminded me of uh, Yellow Submarine where Ringo, I got an O in me pocket. Yeah, the, the Sea of Holes is such a great yeah. section. If you haven't watched um, Yellow Submarine, just turn off the podcast right now and go watch Yellow Submarine and smoke a big doobie because you can't watch Solar Submarine straight. It's stupid. Yeah, no, it isn't. It's great. I watch it. No, it's a great film, but it'd be stupid it not to enjoy psychoactive effects. Do you get high? I'm high on on my own supply now. See, that's what I'm talking about. So you don't have to go smoke a big doobie. You can just watch it, enjoy the music, enjoy the story, enjoy the, the animation. Animation. Yeah. Enjoy the fact that the guy who slaved over that to make it happen just had no encouragement from the well, Beatles. The guy. It was a whole team of animators. Well, there was one main guy from my understanding. Oh. And... Um, and the Beatles just were like, yeah, whatever. We don't really know what this thing is that you guys are all doing, but whatever. It was probably him and George Harrison that were, you know what? They weren't giving him much encouragement. That's the fucking thing. Well, they gave him enough. You got it done. It must've been some form of encouragement is, do you consider money encouragement, Greg? Yes. Awesome. If you gave me $10 right now, yes, I would blow you. I don't really think it'd be worth it. Well, thank you for that note of encouragement to my <laughs> blowjob precision. <laughs> if, if I'm going to get a blowjob from you, I want it to be the expensive one. I don't have an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what does a vena tostada represent to you? <clears throat> Toasty oats. Toasty oats? Yeah. Say more. Well... Toasty oats is an encouraging breakfast meal. Ah, do you like make the oatmeal and then like toast it in a toaster oven so it's crispy on top? Is that what you mean? No, I mean, it's just hot from the stove in a bowl. That's my favorite winter meal. It's too, it's been too hot in uh, the San Francisco (laughs) Bay Area for a hot breakfast at this point. In California, you know, what's going on? Like, um, People I know in Southern Cal are talking about these rainstorms they're getting because of a hurricane off the coast of Mexico. Well, it actually did land on on the coast of Mexico, on the Pacific coast. Yeah, it was like mid-Baja. Yep. Yeah, so I just really think the planet really attempted to encourage us to change. And now she's like, fuck it. It's like a parent who's just been pushed to the edge and just hauls off and slaps the kid. Like, I've had it! And there may be regret afterwards, but in the moment... (laughs) I don't know. I think it's always been like this. Really? Yeah, the the, the weather's always just been the ongoing sort of graduation lesson for every generation. Whether it's hurricanes, whether it's, you know, there's no question it's getting warmer. Yeah. But in in terms of attributing it to an intentional kind of, I'm going to slap your booty and make you pay and then maybe you'll wise up. 
We got plenty of stuff we should have been wising up from a long time ago. We're not wising up much. Well, that's very, you know, with the exception of very few industrialists, they're all thinking, oh, we're going to be able to jump ship and head to another planet, which is just another form of folly as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like I was thinking about this last night. I was talking with a friend and um, this planet, like we have done a lot of research on planets. We pretty much know our solar system, right? Well, we know Nothing a lot. Has, what? We know a lot about even more than the solar system. There's lots of galaxies. I think they, I don't, I don't remember what they call them, but it's like, in Star Trek, yeah. it's Class M, right? That's, I think they're Stevens. They're planets that are have water and an atmosphere that's oxygen and nitrogen, and you know that theoretically could support life. Yeah, but there's no plant. We haven't discovered plant life anywhere else. We haven't discovered plant life. Yeah, anywhere oh. else. Hmm. Well, we've discovered places that we think could support it, even though we haven't actually seen it. But that's one of the things about the James Webb telescope is we're going to get actually get a good look at some of these places now. The James Webb telescope. That's encouraging. How would you like to have the fucking strongest telescope on known universe named after you? I'd love that, especially if it gave me like one hour a week where I could point it wherever I wanted. <laughs> right, it's like mine for an hour a week. I'd be like, okay, I'd be I'd point it at Steve Jobs' grave and have the sunlight shine through it the opposite way. So no, just- I pointed it at interesting places in the galaxies that I wanted to look at. I mean, the damn thing can look like ninety-six billion light years into the galaxy. I'd want to. Yeah. You know what's badass? Two things that just remind one: the Horsehead Nebula has always brought a. Uh, 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 emotion of um, it's not so much fear. It's like when you watch a scary movie or you're in this it's like in this intense feeling of awe bordering on fear like holy fuck is that fucking crazy just like it brings me into that area of the universe of the immensity of the universe the, the intensity of it just like wow and then the other thing is when you were talking about seeing, you know, light years in to the past or future, I, uh, Bodhi and I went and saw one of those uh, lectures they have on Mount Tam one evening. Yeah. And it was about how the scientists are seeing the beginning of the universe because of the information that has traveled light years from point zero and it was it was kind of rad it was like they were seeing information that was millions of light years old and they're seeing it in the now because it's light coming towards them and then they got into all sorts of things of dark matter and interesting things it was a few years ago i'm not remembering the details i do remember the scientists saying how they were measuring this data and able to decipher how old the light was, et cetera. One of the things that I find tr- troubling about it when I see the photos, I see the, the, the little credit at the bottom that says so-and-so colored it in. And I'm like, dude, I don't want, I want to see the ones that's not colored. Like I don't want someone's interpretation 
of what the universe looks like. Give it to me straight. And then if you want to see the colorized version, here it is over here. What is it? It's like, and they wonder why people think the earth is flat because they're constantly messing with the truth. Like, just give me the real thing. Oh, you know what I think I also want to share? Hmm. I went and got what I thought was going to be a decaf. I don't think it was decaf. <laughs> so you're flying high right now. I'm fucked up, man. I love it. That's encouraging. Yes. Yes. I feel so very in addition to National Encouragement Day, you know what else it is? Um, it's National, National Orgasm Day. High Five Day. So it's you're what? supposed to go out and hug and high five someone. That's encouraging. Yeah. What if they don't want it? That's not encouraging. <laughs> it's not. It's not. You, it's uh, go out and get consent to hug and high five. Can I hug you and high five you? <laughs> what kind of world are we living in where you've got to have a signed waiver to hug and high five? A very people? respectful one. Oh, really? It's a little ugly to me. A little like dull. Yeah. Well, you seem to thrive on having a dim view of things. Yeah. <laughs> Last week's podcast is a perfect sure. <laughs> We just slap each other for an hour. Bam, bam. Yeah, we don't call it the Punch and Judy show. Yeah, but we should. Yeah. No, we shouldn't. But I, I like that you're constantly calling out this, uh, what I'm going to call um, Namby Pamby social construct of we can't handle each other's truth. Exactly. It's just not real. Eggshells are for trash cans, not for walking on. Right. Well, they're actually for um, <clears throat> um, recycling, but close enough. Composting. Yeah. Yeah. Eggshells are not to be eaten. No. Well, you know what? They actually can be. I heard they're a good source of calcium. Yeah. Yep. They're not for walking on. That's the key thing. They're not for walking on. Yeah. And, you know, today I was reminded by my teacher, Bridge, that it's not a safe space. It's a brave space. Which means to show up and expect to have your ass handed to you and don't complain about it. Yeah. Well, I hope that the person who's professing that statement is willing to accept it when it's handed to them. Well, I, uh, right away, as soon as I got here, I got an example of how that works. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, there is no evidence that Elvis Presley was a bigot. Uh, yeah, we already had that podcast. September 12th. Hug and high five day. You know what else it is? You're going to love this. And I, I don't think you knew this, but. It's also National Video Games Day. Well, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So That's hopefully good. you can carve out a little time in your schedule on Monday to play some video <laughs> games. God, that is so that is so against the grain. <laughs> against the grain of your current like practices and your attempts to try and be a better person. Yeah. yeah. For me, who like I don't play them at all. Really? Even though I have this, like, I wish I could play them. And I even installed, it's called Stream, no, Steam. Oh, so yeah. I can play them on my Mac. And I'm like, I looked at it and it was like the one that I played was two years ago. And I was like, this is wow. boring. What do you, do you have Star Wars on there? I don't have Jack on there. 
Because Star Wars is on the Steam platform. And I don't think my Apple computer is made for gaming. Oh, uh, well, it certainly has proven itself to be a fucking lame duck today. Yeah, it's done everything I've asked it to, including getting me on the show, albeit a bit late. Yeah. My sister has a PS5, though. So I just Ooh. go, I'll just go over to her house. She also has a big screen projector and a surround sound system. Is that Dora? No, Jen. Uh. So I think the thing to do is to go over there. Um, I don't think she'll let me play um, Grand Theft Auto, though. Does she have Grand Theft Auto? I don't know. <clears throat> wow. You can play Minecraft, the number one game of the world we learned last episode. Yeah. So anyway, today's also National Video Games Day. Wow. Um there's also a few factoids if you're ready for some factoids about September 12th. Sure. Um, in 1962, John F. Kennedy declared on September 12th that we were going to land on the moon. It was also his fifth wedding anniversary. He and Jackie had been married in, in 57. Oh, wow. Um, and a more somber, well, it wasn't until 1992 that Mae Jemison became the first African-American woman in space. She hmm. was part of the shuttle space program that went up and got, um, worked on the space station. years later. That's yeah. wild. But um, then they were so prominent in the space program, as we learned from that wonderful movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, they act. She was. Oh God! I suppose I'm supposed to remember stuff, but I'm terrible at remembering names and things. Well, but. we're old, Mark. We're old. We're in the way, yeah. and that's encouraging. Yeah. One day I'll. Are you be, clipping your toe, your fingernails right now? Yes, I am. What a fucking monkey dog! <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's a. Uh, it's irritating to me when they're long, especially when I'm caffeinated. God, you're just bouncing off the walls. I got 28 videos playing at once. I'm clipping my fingernails. I'm drinking coffee like a madman. 15 minutes ago, I thought I was going to make a frittata, and I looked at the clock, and I'm like, there's no way. (laughs) (laughs) You were still late. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so um, Mae Jemison. What an amazing thing for her to, to achieve. She got to go up to the space station and work on the space station. Yeah, that's rad. Did we, like, aren't we supposed to be trying to start our program back to the moon again? And they've been scrubbing the launches. I'm not sure. I know that the launch got delayed, and I'm not sure what that's about. Is the space station occupied right now? Oh, yeah. Really? I thought, like, the, it was... Wasn't there something about like the last flight up to it? What happened? No, it's fine. It was um, went up with SpaceX. SpaceX has been making it so that we aren't dependent on the Russians to go up and back. Because NASA is no longer involved. Right. NASA NASA contracts with SpaceX for our NASA doing. They're working on the Artemis program, which is what's going well, they're going to go to the moon which they've been trying to do the launch they've been setting up these launches but it, the the first this is the one that's supposed to be 
you know, the robot mission where it flies all the way, goes around the moon and comes back and splashes down to make sure that the current technology is working. Um, I'm looking at their blog and it doesn't say anything about the launches or any of that. You would think it would be like the first thing that you, you get missions, Artemis one, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm excited about it. And I know that SpaceX is playing a big piece in that because they're building the thing that's going to go from the, they're going to put a, basically a space station around the moon that (laughs) they, they, get them to and then spacex has a ship that goes down to the moon and then comes back to the space station around the moon so that they can go back and forth several times just mining it for everything it has well the first thing they're going to explore is that they've the polar water source that's down there because if they can find water that means they can do things with it that are you know resourceful Mm -hmm. um and for people who are keeping score i'm done clipping my nails um you can put that on your Moped Outlaws bingo card. One more cup of coffee. We should put together a Moped Outlaws bingo card. Yeah, that covers should. the episode, so that yeah. you could you could win a free T-shirt if you send in your. Um, if you get a bingo, I like yeah. that idea. B i n g o b i n g o b. Yeah, so I'm excited for Artemis um, and the trips to the moon. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can find out about it. it they haven't. I went looking for just like the launch dates and it's like it's NASA's website doesn't take you right to the information you want. Yeah. They have a ride share. SpaceX has a ride share program. September 19th is when they next uh, anticipate flying. And there's still several hurdles. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, Further details about September 12th. These are a little bit more um, of a downstroke, kind of a downer. In 1977, a man named Stephen Biko died in police custody in South Africa from the injuries he'd received when he was arrested. And he became a symbol of what's wrong with South Africa and, um, People wrote songs about him and rallied around him and in his memory to, you know, finally dismantle the South African government. And and eventually, as we all know, that led to Nelson Mandela's rise to power. Um, Yeah. And then for people who are into reggae music. September 12th is also another important date. It was the date that Selassie, Haile Selassie, was deposed as the emperor of Ethiopia. In 1974, a military coup coup occurred, carried out by a group of people called the Dirge. And they basically put a whole bunch of people in jail. And then in November... They killed 60 of the people that they put in jail. And in December of 75, Selassie died in jail under mysterious circumstances. Um, His son, his firstborn son, went along with the coup on the day of it because he feared for his life. And he thought he was in line for succession. So he sort of played along as if he thought he was going to become the next emperor. 
Um, and many of the family members were captured and, impro- and imprisoned and weren't released until like 1988. And some of the men didn't get out till 1989. Hmm. So on this day in 1974, Haile Selassie's rule was ended. And apparently <clears throat> the source of that was that there was a huge drought the year before and a bunch of the um, enlisted army men it started because they weren't receiving the water rations that they needed in the field. And so one regiment took their commanding officers hostage and said, you're going to give us more water. And they agreed to it. And then some of the other regiments heard about it. And that just began to gain momentum until finally a bunch of the enlisted officers finally just kind of took over the army and they were being courted by communist influences from um, Europe to try and overthrow Ethiopia and take, take its resources <laughs> such as they were. Um, oh, maybe I can take a deep breath now. Maybe some of that caffeine is, is finally just settling in. Uh, <laughs> nice. So who's in charge of Ethiopia right now? Sweaty. There's a uh, a civil war going on between Ethiopia and Tigray right now. Oh, my God. And they're right next to Somalia. And we know Somalia's got its troubles. Yeah, it's it's tough in that whole region. Which is why we need to be encouraging towards them. Yes. To bring it right back around. The dirge era was 74 to 91. Yep. Or Derg. I'm not sure exactly how we, we pronounce it. The Derg. The Derg. The Derg. The Several Derg family members fire. were exiled in the UK. So Haile Selassie was a uh, emperor. Mm-hmm. And my understanding in, reg- in reggae is that they understand Haile Selassie to be the embodiment of divine, the God embodied. Yeah. He's a direct descendant of David from biblical times. And he was considered the living embodiment of God by the Rossifarians. And that, You know, there's several factors like he he was able to defeat the Italian invasion of Ethiopia during World War Two, even though he was severely outnumbered. Hmm. And he was one of these guys that actually was in battle with his troops. He would you know, he was there fighting with them. And I think that was a big part of why they won because he was such a motivational leader, like right there on the front lines with them. Um, later when he went to Jamaica and he, you know, he didn't wear dreadlocks and he didn't really, from what I understand, he didn't really accept that the Rasta definition of him. And he was sort of, you know, perplexed by it. He was more of a Royal in that sense. Right. Right. Um, but he was a powerful symbol for African self-rule. And he, I think, I'm not sure exactly how many, I think there's five nations that were never conquered by colonialism in Africa. And I think Ethiopia is one of them. Hmm. Hmm. 
many rivers to cross, but I can't seem to find. Saudi Arabia, Iran, Japan, Korea, Thailand, China, Afghanistan, Nepal, Bhutan, and Ethiopia. Wow. Never colonized by Europeans. And is it Jamaica that overthrew colonial rule? No. No, um, because they're still ruled yeah, by what, they're still what part of the Commonwealth. It was um It was what was then known as Rhodesia and became Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. No, there's one that's right off the coast here of the North America. Cuba? No. Oh, well, yeah, there's the Cuba, Cuba did, by the way, just and destroy the colonization of itself. That's true. True that. Oh. Yeah. So uh, we've been all over the galaxy, space, <laughs> Ethiopia, colonialism, coffee. It's a veritable potpourri of moped outlaws today. Yeah. It, it's that's what happens when you start ungrounded and discombobulated with a million windows open. Amen to that. And it's funny yesterday on my bike ride I was thinking, you know, there must be a way for me to just be focused on the one thing and then just realize, oh, I can always get that thing open. I can bookmark it, I can um and I've heard that this is a, sim- a symbol of how my consciousness operates, that if, if I'm running a million windows, it's a symbol of a lack of focus on my part. And um, I'm working very hard in this moment not to shame myself about that. How's it going? Um, I'm just wondering, like, why it's always me that's on the hot seat. Why is it? Not always me. I remember we talked about my whole devil thing a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, that's what right. the- Why'd we do this? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like last week when I was starting to listen to it, I was like, why did we do this episode last week? I was like, is this the week I'm going to call Greg and tell him not to tell art to public, not to publish it. And uh, I was like, no, we are who we are. That's We're right. going to give this unbridled view of the world. It's a, you know, moped outlaws is a symbol of free speech. Cause there's a lot of people talking about censorship and a lot of people talking about cancel culture. And we are a bastion of Liberty. We are the ones who are out on the bleeding edge of saying whatever the fuck we want right now, when we want to. Hey, that thought that we had last week of, um, mass shootings being a natural part of human nature has really resonated with me. Like, and just thinking how matter of factly we humans say, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, praying mantis bites the head off her mate after copulating and that feeds the little kids, you know? And so like some other entity studying humanity, yeah. And every few months there's a mass shooting and, uh, that resonates through their communities and, well, it's a balance. biological fact, but we want to like figure it out because none of us are in approval of it. Yeah. Well, do you think like that male praying mantis is in approval of having his head bit off? <sighs> I 
I really don't want to go back to last last week's podcast, but I'll say this. The, The male praying mantis at that moment is trading temporary sexual satisfaction, probably unaware of his fate. God, could you, that would be a great monster is a woman who, you know, like the guy's going to have the best orgasm of his life and then bam. Yeah. There's a thing it's called an incubus. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I forget what its origins are, but incubi are, you know, um, mythological, creatures that invade women's bodies and then use them to lure men into situations where they'll be murdered. I thought they sucked the soul out of them. Yeah. Is that what it is? I don't know. I haven't met one yet. Soul. I'm hoping. What is this? I don't know. What is it? Abana testata. It's a history. I just learned something about Chrome. There's a little history tab that you can open up. I mean, I knew of a history tab, but there's this little arrow next to the minimize or full screen. And I was like, I've never seen that before. And I just, anyway. Yeah, great. Hey, part of today was supposed to be about something about pursuing sexual satisfaction for partners. Wasn't there? Art. Well, encouraging orgasms. Oh, well, yeah, of course. It's a National Encouragement Day. And what better thing to encourage than orgasm? I know, right? Um, Where I like to start with this is encouraging men to understand female orgasm. What if they're gay? Uh, Then I'm not talking to them. That's encouraging. (laughs) I think um, gay men pretty much have their, you know, the whole orgasm thing wired. I don't know. I think they're human as well as the rest of us. Yeah. I think men have a much easier time orgasming than women for the most part. As a generalization, I think that probably stands up. Hmm. My guess is that that's more a reflection of social norms and the way we're brought up, the environment we're brought up. Cause my belief is that each are equally able to orgasm. Look at this. Talk about ADD or something like this has just been sitting there. I keep looking at it. Be soothed. Is it some kind of jerky or something? It's lozenges like, you know, throat lozenge. I just almost grab one and put it in my mouth. I don't need it. Don't want it. But there it is just sitting there. Has it got sugar in it? Um, Probably. Let's see. Chicory root fiber, tapioca syrup, and honey. Honey. Yeah, so you're... One gram of sugar for each You're looking for a mouthgasm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not surprised we start talking about orgasm and especially gay orgasm and you want to put something in your mouth. Yep. For $10. (laughs) That's a callback. It's a bargain. (laughs) The best I ever had. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I disagree that, well, yeah, I mean, my experience in life is that generally speaking, a woman's orgasm is not a physiological given that it's takes um, more finesse, 
more care, Take more subtlety, right? <laughs> takes a and village. And takes a village, maybe, depending <laughs> on who she is. What I know is that my mom, when I was 14, gave me a book and said, no son of mine is going to grow up and not how to know, make a woman come. And I'm like, I'm, I'm down. Like, I want to figure this out. Yeah. And so I was on an early quest to try and What was be, the book called? Um, it was called The Joy Johnny of Sex. Makes Mary Come. The Joy of Sex. Oh, my God. Right? And, it, you That's know, I learned at an early age, thanks to the free love generation um, in, the, in the 70s, that, you know, what the, what the anatomy of a woman's orgasm looked like. But I think... It's not as mechanical. There's an element of energy and the, the way a woman's nervous system comes to orgasm that's way different than the, the just the man and his physiology. Um, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's areas where they intersect, of course, but um, you know, it, a lot of women say they fake orgasms to help their part male partners feel competent. And that tells me that it's a lot easier to do that than it is to get their needs met because it's not as easy for them. And I have heard more than one woman say that they do it with their partner just as part of the support of the relationship. It's nothing they're really interested in, but their partner is very interested. And so to keep joy as a part of their partnership, they'll yeah, and I've heard that when you are doing that, you're actually undermining, ultimately undermining joy for yourself and thus the relationship. And as a man, I want to feel the experience of my woman's orgasm, right? right. Like I have a desire to actually have that and, and want to empathize with what that's like. And there's several layers to that. One, of course, is the ego, right? I want to know that I can be good enough to make this happen. But I think that doesn't serve me as much as my just inherent curiosity and love for my partner and my willingness to find out that it means slowing down. It means being more attuned to the feedback that her body's giving me. What does her breath sound like? Right? Because my intuition based on what it feels like to feel my sexual organs is that, you know, more pressure, faster. Those are all things that really get me going where I want to go. So I naturally project that onto my partner as if that's going to work. And uh, I don't think it's always the case. Now, everyone's different. And I, I have known some women who hard and fast for a long time is exactly what they want. Well, you know, what's important to recall is each uh, act is also unique in and of itself. So someone you're with who may want it hard and fast a lot, there may be a time where like, that's not what they're into tonight. Right. So to be in the moment is part of the juice. Literally. And for me, I know that about my own orgasm is like, there are times when actually what I want is slow and prolonged and, and, um, you know, yeah, sometimes I just want to cuddle and cry. I think that's different, but I have heard that everything is orgasm. So tears are a form of orgasm in a way. Yeah, that's. I heard that from Nicole Daydon's crew. That's where I learned that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And the, I think uh, inherent in arts bringing this up is this idea of the practice of orgasmic meditation, which you and I have both experimented with in our lives. And yeah. I think that's a really great tool to investigate 
women's pleasure with. Yeah, I definitely found a lot of learning in the practice. Yeah. Um, and I, personally, I think that if women want to achieve more orgasmic contact with men, that we basically just need to make more time for sex in our lives and not geared around satisfying him so that he's happy in relationship and doesn't grumble and isn't pressuring all the time, but to actually go into the deep discussion and then experimentation. And our modern world has us all running, you know, 50 browser windows at once. And so there's no, (laughs) there's no time to calm down enough to really explore slowly and carefully, especially if you're a parent, like, Oh my goodness, you know, right. Yeah. When you had three under 10 year old children under, right. There was a period. What were the age gaps? Three years. See, Robin's 24, Jonah's 21 and Bodhi 16. So yeah, there's like five years, four years, three years. So there was a period where you had an in an infant and toddlers under 10. And we also had a family during that period of time. Did you even have sex at that point? We did, but there was a lot of, I think, um, sort of scheduling for it. Mm -hmm. And that just, you know, brings up, there was, um, definitely for me more desire than there was for her. Yeah. Well, I think she probably had the same amount of desire, but getting access to it, and being able to actually live in her body in a way that allowed her to feel what was happening was just tougher because I think it takes longer, more spaciousness and less stressors and demands on the, on people, on women for them to get into a physiological state of arousal. And I think um, generally speaking, there's some honesty to men are very, um, physically oriented where like we see a photo of a naked woman and we're like, fuck yeah, turned on and a woman. It's more the emotional connection. In I fact, I was listening, well, I was we, listening to a otherwise podcast. men wouldn't be pursuing abs. Like there's a whole thing about women's. Well, turn on no, but I think people. it's less, it's not as just like men like having an emotional connection with women too. But generally speaking, like there was a woman on a podcast I was listening to this morning who's really going crazy with sex. And she was married and realized what's beautiful. She had this statement that I've heard in home. Like she listened to what does my pussy want? You know, and she realized, oh, my pussy wants to get freaky to a degree. But part of what she was saying is she needs time with whoever's going to be a new partner, like there's some intimacy created by hanging out and maybe eye gazing or other modes that bring that intimacy connection. And then the physical is juicy for her. Where for me, I know like, I don't need that. You could be naked and in bed with me and I'm naked and that's going to (laughs) work. I think, again, there's no formula. Right. right? That's the We're difference. speaking generalizations, but there is truth to generalizations. Sure. And the question remains, why is there an orgasm gap in our culture and what can we do about it? And I think the answer is, one, 
start with curiosity as a man, especially. I and thought two, orgasm gap was another term for a vagina. No, that's also something that might be an issue here. Um, but <laughs> taking the time to open up space and energy and time that would allow for a gradual evocation of arousal in a woman, because it's not instant necessarily like it can be, but it's not necessarily as instant, you know, and then there's also, I think male hormone cycles are more frequent. Like our cycles, like boom, like every 24 hours, we're good to go. Right. Whereas women, it's a 28 day cycle. And there's this window in there where there's a sort of peak of uh, hormonal balance towards this. And so as men, the art of wooing a woman is about knowing her moon and knowing when to build towards something at the right time and how to use your patience, your perseverance and your imagination to create the conditions where she will arrive at the desire to initiate. And that I remember the sex scene that was in Jerry Maguire at the beginning where he's with his wife. I don't think yeah. I've ever watched that movie. Really? Yeah. It's a great movie. The f- so tell me about money. that scene. But there was like rough, hard sex. And she was, that was how she wanted it. Like she was, you know, against the wall, bam, slam. And, and, it proved to be kind of who her character was. Cause when he softened about the whole um, industry he was in and showed more emotion, she was like, fuck you, you're a wimp. Get out of here. Do you think, so what I'm wondering is, do you think, have you come across a woman that that was her vibe was like a domineering again, you know, strong, powerful, like, yeah, I want it. And and that's what she wanted. Yes. I've met women who have a relationship with their sexual arousal. That's about being overcome physically and also, and sort of swept away by my desire for them. But I also think it's important to remember that the, the movie was written by a man but played by a woman. Right. But the woman, the actress was playing it according to a man's view of her. It wasn't a woman who wrote that movie. And if we look at the American what are you sex saying film industry, women who write and direct um, sexually explicit films tend to completely have a different approach to those things than, than men, male fantasies. And so pointing out that in Jerry Maguire, there's this, it was Cameron Crowe, by the way, who wrote it pointing out that there's this thing in this one movie that sort of tries to point at aggressive female sexual desire. Sure. But I'm again, it's playing into the male projection of fantasy of women wanting that. And I think if we had a woman on here, she'd be, she'd be like, yeah, I mean, occasionally or once in a while, or, you know, depending on the woman, maybe that's how she really goes at it. Right. Um, But my experience is that is extremely rare, right? It's not the general rule for female orgasm. And I think what we're talking about is decoding female orgasm. How do heterosexual men get closer to 
understanding how that works and how to be in alignment with it and, and support it and encourage it. Talk to call hey, back right there. Did you see, um, Oh shit. I just forgot the name of it. The movie where the girl, she pretends to be drunk and out of her head and gets picked up by a guy who's going to take advantage. What was that? A more, uh, a perfect woman. What was it? Yeah. More perfect woman or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, She's, she's, she's playing out a revenge fantasy for what's happened to her. Well, see, but I don't see it as a revenge. I saw it as an educational act she was taking on. She was educating dudes because she didn't harm them. And why is this relevant to the discussion about orgasm? I was just thinking about, um, you talking about male and female perspective in writing stories. And that story was written by a woman and directed by a woman. And right. And so the core lesson is that men are way more aggressive and need to be taught a lesson about how women want it. And in the end well, of that film, she eventually makes a really strong, um, intimate connection with the guy and they work it out. And it's difficult because she comes up against all of her, programming and conditioning right and men we all have our well, her experience the experience of jerks and right and and that's and, a result of the patriarchal conditioning that well, we, that's a hangover from the puritan catholic lifestyle yeah but she also had the experience of her best friend that she was like you know tight with is raped and not believed and just sort of that act was tossed aside even laughed at, made a joke of. Again, now we're talking about rape culture and how patriarchy is the sort of pre-conditioning for this idea of male aggressive sexual dominance as the cornerstone of what's what's arousal is about. And it's it's bullshit. It's not true. It's the thing that men perpetuate and project in order to feel powerful and have control over access to sexuality because the reality of women's sexuality is it's much more fluid and mysterious and, and sort of not easily understood by men of our social upbringing. Um, my father dated a, uh, indigenous woman who said that, you know, Western men know like, five percent of what it means to be connected to spiritually and physically arouse a woman's sexual power and that we are so far from understanding and having insight into that and again i think it comes back to recognizing that we are a 24-hour arousal cycle and women are a 28-day one and so when we try to imagine what it's going to feel like we project our own experience onto that and go oh we just do this and that's not how it works so studying, being curious, you know, being willing to ask, like, how does this feel for you? And then having a partner who's brave enough to say, it doesn't feel good. Stop. And, and like, let's stop and have not get an, um, a man who reacts like a little boy and disappointed in himself or disappointed in her, like the emotional capacity for a man to be, hold the truth of a woman's arousal, whether that is positive or negative without making it mean anything about his value. That's tricky. I think that's true for both parties. I think that's true for all of us. You said at the beginning that most women say that they perform sexually. No, I didn't. I said that I'd heard that from women. I didn't say most women. I said I've heard from more than one woman 
That great. So you're splitting hairs now. Yes, bitch. Even that word, the fact that you're using that word to try and dominate my approach to this. It's like, it's so, so revealing about male sexual power dynamics. Recording stopped. 